0: Exodus. So, this is going to be, um, we're going to do Exodus 19 today. Uh, j- just to be truthful, I, I was really having a hard time because um, it's Mother's Day, and I want to acknowledge the moms and recognize you, and uh, I've done, a, well, I guess 23 Mother's Day messages. Um, and this is this is uh, twenty four, and um, but I, I I felt like I wanted to keep going through our Exodus series, and in chapter twenty, um, we're going to come to the Ten Commandments, and of course you know one of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and your mother. So we're going to talk about. That um, this this chapter chapter 19 the children of Israel have left Egypt and they arrive uh, at Sinai and so I want to read a little bit of the story for you and then I think you'll see how this is the this is the setup to the giving the giving of the commandments. And sometimes it's not what you say, but how you say it. Have you ever heard that? So um, sometimes you say something and you say it in a very um, casual way. And then sometimes you say something in a way that lets everybody know that what you're saying is unbelievably important. And I think what this whole story is about, it's the meeting with God at the mountain is God saying to them, what I am about to say to you is unbelievably important. Exodus 19.1, in the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called down to him from the mountain. This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You have seen what I did in Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Kind of a parental motherly figure there, you know, the... the, the, the eagle carrying the young. If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then you will be my treasured possessions. You will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So Moses went back and summoned the elders and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him. And the people responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses goes to God and God tells him, you need, to, you, need to make a, you need to make a deal that you're going to keep these commandments. And if you do, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests. And, and they come back, Moses comes back rather to the people and, uh, and they all agree, we're in, we'll do it. God has carried them this far. Now he has some instructions for them. So you have to just get, get your arms around this in a big way. They, you have this massive group of people that have left slavery and they come out and they need some order and some structure. They need some laws and they have to figure out how they're going to live. That's the birth of what we have as what we call the Ten Commandments. That's the context. I remember... Um, I remember... When I was, we were talking about the youth camp earlier, I remember so many years of doing youth camps and so many different experiences. But I, I remember one in particular where, you know, you get all these kids. You have all these kids from all these different places, right? And um, a lot of the ones that I went to, they, some of them were national, where people came from all different parts of the country. Sometimes they're from different parts of the state. And so they didn't know what what were the... What are the ground rules here? What can we do and not do? So they would always bring them all in and start to explain to them here's the rules, here's how we can act, and here's how we cannot act at this camp. Now, of course, there were teenagers, so half of them, you know, were in the back taking notes. Like, I hadn't even thought of going out that window. You know, I didn't even know there was a window there. And that's how teenagers would respond to it. But nonetheless, they had it right when they got started. Like, here's here's how it's gonna work here. And I saw it done really well, and I saw it done really poorly. But nonetheless, that was the idea. So just think about it. Just think about our society today. Would it be good? I mean, we'll get into the Ten Commandments themselves, and you have to think of ways to summarize it, but maybe one way of summarizing it is like, okay, we're not going to steal each other's stuff. We're not going to lie about each other. We're not going to give false witness. Uh, I have something to say there, and I'm not going to say it publicly. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> It's not good when someone goes in front of other people publicly and lies about you as, well, I won't say publicly. It's not good. It's not good. You can't steal. There's all these things you, you can't do. Essentially, what it really boils down to is if you say, you get everybody here and you say, everybody, just do for yourself. Just whatever extreme selfishness, you know, take whatever you want, take as much as you want, take from anybody you want, you would immediately have what? Chaos. Chaos. So this is essentially putting restraints on people, saying, look, look, there's going to be enough for everybody. Don't steal his. Don't take theirs. And put God, I'll say it this way, because the commandments start this way, put God front and center. That's kind of what binds everything together. What, what our society is wrestling with today is throwing God out and then thinking we can make our own rules up and we'll figure it out. This is, what we're, this is what we're toying with as a society. It's not exactly written that way, but that's kind of what we're toying with. It's the unwritten thing like, well, you don't really need God. That's kind of old-fashioned. So this is the setup to the delivery of the Ten Commandments and the, the following laws. I remember. Um, I remember my dad was like the most easygoing person. He, and my dad, I, I think I, I don't remember exactly when I started driving because I just always remember driving. We we started driving mini bikes and then we drove snowmobiles and then we drove the tractor and we just and at some point my dad needed help. Uh, running parts to UPS, because he had a plastic injection molding business, and and he was always just, just the, you know, I got to get parts to UPS, and so Chris, go take, and we had this old brown Chevy van, and I'd throw three or four boxes of parts, and I, and I was 14, you know what I mean, and I drove 40 minutes on the freeways and everything to go drop them off at UPS, and then it'd come back, and we were keeping dad's business alive, uh, well... I'm not recommending his, all of his parenting tactics. I'm just telling you how I grew up, okay? Is that right? I don't, don't take the wrong thing. Don't send me an email. He's already with the Lord, all right? I'm sure he learned all of his lessons. But at the end of the day, some of you who are a little older, you know what I'm talking about. Like you, you did things for your family business to survive. And so uh, I had been driving for a long time. But then I remember when, when I, got, <laughs> I got the license a little, I did it out of order, uh, but then when I was 16, I got a driver's license, and I remember, here's the funny thing. I remember when my dad sat me down with the keys, and uh, my, first, my first car was a dune buggy. Um, go figure. Didn't have any heat. It was a little rough in the winter. I had these big, fat tires, and, but I, he, he never talked like this. And he sat me down, and he said, this can kill you, and you can kill some other people with this. Now, for as casual as he was, and everything was no worries and easy going, and I wrecked so many things. I can't tell how many things of his. I wrecked and flipped and scratched and dented. But for him to stop, to, to this day, I remember him stopping. What, the, what I'm going to read to you from Exodus 19 is I think God's stopping and saying, look me in the eye. I want to tell you something that, that's important that can be life or death for you. <laughs> they get to the mountain and it says this. The Lord said to Moses, Go to the people, consecrate them, have them wash their clothes and be ready on the third day because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, caution tape. What happens when someone puts up caution tape? Everybody wants to get right up to it. There must be something important up there, right? Set limits, you can't come here. They, they they put like a perimeter around the mountain. Be careful you don't go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches will surely be put to death. I mean, this is the ultimate, like, we are gonna have a moment right here. And it he says, then there's gonna be a long sound of a ram's horn. And Moses consecrated the people. They washed their clothes. It was as if there was all this anticipation for this moment. And then it says, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. And everyone in the camp trembled. I think that sentence explains the message today. Everybody trembled. It wasn't, and then I saw some, a couple of like camp guys up there trying to instill fear in kids, and it just wasn't, I mean, no, it just wasn't working. You know what I mean? This was no show. They just trembled. Whatever this experience was, the awesome display, it was God getting them, look me in the eye, I want to say something to you and they were there and it says the mountain shook then Moses spoke and God answered him way back when way back when I started orchard grove and it's and it's stuck around and I'm There was, there was, my experience, had there was, there was too much fear, 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 fear. It was always, you get to church and it was about fear. Maybe that wasn't your experience, but it was for a lot of people. And I, I felt like, man, I think we missed some of this. And so I wanted a place where you it could be casual and come as you are. And I think we accomplished that. I think, to be truthful, I think we accomplished too much of it. I do, and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you got to wear whatever you want, and I'm glad you, you got your coffee, and that's all good. Um, but something has to make you tremble. Not that you're afraid of God. I don't. I don't. I think that misses it. People ask me and said, Chris, it's over and over and over again in the in the scriptures. This fear, this trembling. It's this. It's the sense of the overwhelming power of God. What I did not intend to do with Orchard Grove was to make it like God's your buddy. And there's some fine line there. There's some mysterious mix where God is uh, closer than a brother where God is your best friend, and yet at the same time, God is transcendent. What we're, gonna, we're gonna get to how Jesus treated these, and man, it's rich, how Jesus handled these commandments. We're gonna get to Paul comparing this mountain to the mount uh, in the New Testament, the Mount Calvary. We're gonna get to comparing all of these, and we're gonna see where justice and law meet mercy and grace, they come together, but listen carefully. And almost any good teacher will, will explain this to you the same way. They say, you almost always are better to start with the law. You're almost always better to start with a little reverence, with a little trembling. Jesus knew how to break these commandments. He's going to teach us how to break them well. But you know what I think is missing in our day? The trembling. The trembling. reverence I was at uh, Arlington Memorial there's all these crosses of all these soldiers that died just white crosses as far as you can see people who had laid down their lives and they had a particular area where you would sit and 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 think in the tomb of the unknown soldier and There's a time for hot dogs and jokes and casual, there's a time to like stand up, I don't know, to me, to stand up straight. Honor your mother. What what does that mean? Well, somehow somehow it has to mean, this is the person that sacrificed for you and did for you and did for you and did for you and you didn't know it, you never recognized it and you were too self-absorbed to even begin to understand it until you turned. 58. (laughs) Wow, she did a lot for me. You know, like I'm trying to teach Charlie some things. I don't know how well I'm doing, but there's a couple of things. And I'm trying to, like, look. I mean, you can email me what I'm doing wrong and all that. Fine, but look at me. Look over here when I'm talking to you. <laughs> you look right here when I'm talking to you. You look. <laughs> she has this. <laughs> I mean, she has a very terrified look. If I raise my voice this much, terrified look. And it kind of breaks my heart to see. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to put that much terror in you, but I'm trying to put a little bit. It, literally, in this passage, it says the people said. Please, Moses, please, Moses, don't let God speak to us directly or we'll die. Don't let God speak to us. Have God tell you and you tell us. You know, they get impatient. I don't know if you know this in the story, but where we stopped here in this foot of the mountain. I mean, we're going to be there for 59 chapters if you're counting chapters. It's a year. But Moses is up on that mountain for like 40 days. And there's multiple trips. But the people, if you know the story, they get impatient. And one of the commandments is like, you know, have no other gods before me. And before he can get down, they got a golden calf that they're worshiping. They can't wait, they can't wait forty days for this to get finished. You know what it made me think of? It makes me think of today's society. They don't worship golden calves, they have other fancy things that they worship. But what happens is this they don't understand God. They went to church as a kid and they were made to go or whatever, or this or that. They don't understand, they don't have the patience to figure out what it's really about. Because they're just sitting there for 40 days like, well, I heard this and I heard this and they heard rumors of God, but they don't have the patience to figure out what it's really about. And so they just settle for a cheap trinket. Anybody got an earring? Let's make that into a God. Our whole society right there on the fringe of worshiping cheap trinkets because we don't have the patience. You know what you might have to do? I mean, sometimes I, honest God, I try to make the sermons boring because you know why? Sometimes you just, no, you need to just sit there and listen. You need, I mean, you need to be like 16 and just sit down and listen. Well, I didn't understand it. Think about it. You go home and read it. This is bigger than you. That's the first thing you need to know. It's the first thing about this story is this is bigger than you. And if you want to get anywhere in life, the first thing you need to know is that this whole thing is bigger than you. That's lesson uno. The other day, Charlie, I, but dad, I don't want to do this. I, was like, I, I know you don't. And so I went on and said, well, but we have to do this. And she said, but dad, I don't, I don't want to. I understand, but mom has to do this and I have to do this. But dad, I don't want to. I said, come here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How do I explain this to a four year old? I don't care. <laughs> uh, can I think of some other options. So I said, no, no, let me try to reason with them. Okay. There are, see you and see these other people? These other people have things to do. So sometimes you don't get to do what you want. Huh? I mean, maybe Mick Jagger should have came down from the mountain. You can't <laughs> always get. I, and the, no, I finished the whole thing. And I was very stern. I looked her in the eyes and I said, look, you, you, it just can't always be what you want. Do you understand? And I've taught her to say, yes, daddy, which I don't think she means anymore, but she says, yes, daddy. <laughs> this is what she followed up with. But I don't want to do that. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't say that after you said, yes, daddy. You can't follow up with, but, I, but this, is, this is the issue. Is this the issue? There has to be something supreme in your life. And I know what's happened is like the whole generation is just taking, as soon as you say God, as soon as you say church, Bible, Jesus, people just roll their eyes, throw it over to the side. That's so outdated. Wrong. Whether you recognize it or not, whether you have the patience to sit there at the bottom of the mountain until it's all brought before you, until it unfolds in front of you, you're you're either going to you're either going to worship or you're going to find some little trinket like these guys. With Anybody got an earring? We'll make a golden calf. You say, Chris, but why all these things? Like, like why, if you touch the mountain, you're going to die? Here's what I think. I, I don't know, but here's what I think. I think our lack of reverence for God, the Almighty, the Transcendent, whatever, I think it's costing us our life. Do you remember when, when, you remember when in the Garden of Eden there was don't touch that tree or you will die? Remember that? On the day you eat of it, you will surely die, and they ate it and they didn't die? Well, at least not in the way you and I look at it, but they did die. They died in here. Look, look. They ate it and they what? They didn't die out here, they died where? They started dying in here. You know what I think happening? I think we've lost the reverence for the mountain. I was just climb up, play around. Yeah, God, maybe God, I don't know. So if, if, if church went too far one way in the past, fair enough. But you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't go to a place where there's no reverence in your life anymore. Where there's nothing that makes you shed a tear or bow your knee or bow your head. That's no good either. If you read in Hebrews, it talks about this very mountain. And he says... We worship God with awe. That's always the word I come back to. Where's the sense of awe in your life? What's bigger than you? What makes you tremble? What makes you bow your head? What makes you bow your knee? We all need a sense of awe. By the end, as we as we will see, huh, there's another mountain in the New Testament. The mountain on which Jesus dies. And that mountain too shook. And it was dark. And that mountain too brought people to their knees. It was God's extreme love. Christ gave his life. The one Roman centurion shook, shook, said, surely this was the Son of God. Can I say it in a different way? Something has to shake you. I had an encounter with a guy who... I wouldn't tell you who he was, but I'll tell you. I was out here doing some work outside yesterday. People were here working, and someone drove up in their car. They were looking for a particular meeting. And I was trying to give him some guidance, and he was shook. You ever been shook? Something will shake you and this particular this particular mountain they were all there and they were trembling this is before one law had been spoken moses said the people cannot come up the mountain because you warned us and the lord said go down and bring aaron with you <laughs> And so this is where it ends before God starts to speak what we call the Ten Commandments. In the weeks that are coming, we're going to see how Jesus handled the commandments. We're going to dive into it all. But if you think about your your life, the place to start, just like they're coming out. This is like a new birth. They They come out of slavery. It's like Jesus talked about being born again. It's like this new birth. The place that you start is right there at this mountain with a sense of reverence. Everybody knows we should honor our mothers. It doesn't even need to be in the Bible. It's right here. If you you have any sense about you whatsoever, you you have a sense like uh, that's the right thing to do. And if our mothers brought us this far, think about this. How far did God bring us? But here's the key. Everybody look. Here's the key. It took you a while to realize how much your mom did for you. Did it? It wasn't when you were 13. Trust me. Right? It took you a while. And you're like, whoa, whoa. Whoa, that was a whoa. Whoa. Oftentimes, it's going to take even longer for us to recognize what God has done for us. You mean, know, maybe we, we get some casual platitudes and this and that, but the older you get, the more you realize. I think because God's less, what, tangible? And so the fad, and it's just a fad. It'll pass. But 3,000 people died worshiping that calf. because we want it like this. Instead, what we need to do is just sit there at the bottom of the mountain and wait. Is it possible that you don't understand yet? That God has more for you than you can even understand? Like, no, no, let's just make a calf and let's get this done. Say, well, Chris, I'm agnostic or I'm atheist. I don't worship anything. Quit kidding yourself. Honest to God, quit kidding yourself. You worship. huh? You don't come to a church if you're an atheist. I'm here, but my my mom drugged me. It's Mother's Day. Everybody worships. Everybody worships. You just have to decide what you're going to worship. You worship that, which you spend the most time and energy and focus of your life on. That's what you worship. The question is, Are you worshiping the right thing? As we prepare to take the Lord's Supper together, I want you to think about this this other mountain. The mountain makes us tremble with God's love. That God would love us so much that he would give his son for us to die for us. That's a power. That's a power That will make anybody tremble if you begin, if you can even begin to grasp how much he loves us.